this meal that Jesus shared with his disciples uh, just before he was crucified. But we're actually going to do it um, sitting around tables in the nature of a meal. So I'm going to explain what's going to happen, and then we're going to get up, move some chairs, tables, that sort of thing. So what we're going to do, we'll have about 10 tables in a sort of circle in this area with a little bit of a gap between each one, okay? Um, and then we'll put some chairs around the outside. So in order to do that, if we could take all the chairs in this middle section and maybe stack them at the edges, and then we'll use the ones at the side as the chairs that we're going to do. So if you're able to get up, um, if, if other people's coats are on the stuff, well, very gently and delicately put them on the stage or something. Um, and we'll stack these to the side, then we'll move the tables out, and then, um, then it'll just all work out. Well, so far this is going better than I expected, so that's good. Um, now what we're going to do, we're going to get these tables and put them in a big circle. So those six there, two from that side and these two here. So if strong people who've got reasonable backs wouldn't mind grabbing an end of each. So if we put that there, yep, that's wonderful about there. That's I'm great. No, leave a bit of space between them so that um, there's more room. Wonderful. That can go over there. Oh, this is all going a dream. <laughs> Naomi told me it'd be really difficult. Okay, let's, we'll make it a bit bigger. So we're going to come further back this way. Uh, how many have we got? One more to get in there. Ah, oh, that is just marvellous. Okay, let's make it. Yeah, no, that, let's make it just slightly bigger that way. Um, and now we can put some chairs round. So if you want to put down, obviously chairs for yourself. But there's going to be a few more chairs because there'll be more people coming back down after kids' work. So you know, we'll have sort of three or four chairs around the back of each table, as it were. Wonderful job. Okay. Wow, that's been easier than anticipated. Do take a seat anywhere you like.
Okay. I have a table to myself, so feel free to join me if you'd like. Oh, thank you, Annette. Wonderful. Okay. Well, that's wonderful. It's lovely to be able to sit here and see everyone. Um, Let's just pray for a moment. Jesus, I want to thank you that you came to earth. You were born as one of us. You lived and you died for us and you rose again. And I want to thank you for that night before you died when you shared a meal with your friends. And as we're friends and your family here, we want to thank you that we can think about that today. Help us to put you first in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we want to go back. I'm going to tell a story. We're going back to early April, the Jewish month of Nisan in AD 33. So we've gone back almost 2,000 years uh, to Palestine. And it is a critical, defining moment for Jesus. Everything has been building up to this moment. 30, maybe 37 years ago, uh, God the Son was born as Jesus, fully God, fully human, this incredible taking on of of human flesh. Uh, He grew up, he lived life uh, in in Palestine. He um, started three or so years ago He started his ministry. He started to go out and preach. He started to teach people about the kingdom of God. Saw great crowds coming to hear him. We've seen healings, seen miracles, even seen people raised from the dead. He started to gather this group of disciples, particularly a sort of 12 closer group, whom he called apostles, but actually more as well. At some point we're tell, we, talk, we hear about 70 of them and other sort of numbers of them at that time. So he's gathered this group of disciples with whom he's been uh, traveling around, sharing life together, eating together, uh, walking the roads together, uh, speaking to the crowds together. And he's had this uh, conflict going on with the religious authorities where you know, he's been trying to teach about what God's like, what the kingdom of God's like, and it's brought him into conflict uh, with some of their views. So this is what's been going on. And then a week or so ago, there's been a, a significant change. It talks in the Gospels about Jesus setting his face to go to Jerusalem and deciding now is the moment, now is the time. So he goes to Jerusalem. On, uh, today is Thursday. Okay, so today is Thursday, the 2nd of April. Um, 
33 AD, or the 13th of Nisan, as, as they would call it. Um, on the Sunday, the first day of the week, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. Great crowds uh, said, Hosanna to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the, to the son of David. Great crowds were gathering and acclaiming him, seeing him as this, this prophet figure coming into town, uh, perhaps even the Messiah. On Monday, he was in the temple. Um, and in the, the courts of the Gentiles, the only bit of the temple where people who weren't Jews were allowed to come and worship the one true God, he'd come in there and where there were uh, lots of people basically having a market there, stopping pe- the, the Gentiles from being able to pray. He had driven them out, overturned the money changes tables and driven out so that the temple could be a place of worship for all people. On Tuesday... He was speaking parables about what the kingdom of God is like teaching in the temple. And indeed, he'd also had more conflict with the, the, uh, the Jewish leaders and teachers when they asked him, you know, whose authority are you doing this by? And there'd been a sort of conflict. Um, <coughs> Wednesday, we don't actually know what happened. There's nothing written in the Gospels about that. Maybe he had a day off. Maybe he was spending time with his father in preparation for what was to happen. But now, we're on Thursday. Um, Jesus knows what's going to happen next. He knows the rest of the story. He knows that the next day is Friday, the day we call Good Friday. Um, He knows that very night, Thursday night, he's going to be betrayed uh, by one of his friends. He's going to be arrested. He's going to face trial and ultimately go to his death uh, on the next day. It's a critical moment for him. That if you knew this was your last moment, your last day of life, there's a question for each of us. (coughs) How would you spend that? We're going to look at how he spends that in a moment. Before we do, I want to talk a little bit about why this was also a critical moment for for Israel, for the Israelites, the people of God at that time. You see, this was one of the great festivals of the Jewish people. So three times a year, all, well, all of the Jewish men, but actually most of the the women and children as well, uh, would gather in Jerusalem for the three great festivals of their people. Um, Over the the 14th to the 21st of Nisan um, was... Passover, so one of the great festivals when they would all gather in Jerusalem to celebrate. Um, We're going to go further back in time because Passover was a commemoration and a reenactment of something that had happened nearly 1,500 years later, probably in uh, 1446 BC. Um, The people of Israel, the descendants of Abraham, had been in Egypt for about 430 years. In probably the last 80 or 100 years in Egypt, they had been oppressed, um, enslaved. At certain points, their children murdered. They'd been in this terrible situation in Egypt 
um, slaves um, to Pharaoh. And at that moment, it says they cried to God and God heard them. God appeared to Moses, uh, one of, the, one of the, the Israelites, and God spoke to him and said, Go to Pharaoh, tell him to set my people free so that they may worship me. And then you have this incredible power struggle, in one sense between Moses and Pharaoh, but actually between God and the so-called gods of Egypt, if you like, where he's demonstrating that he is the only God. He is the Lord. He is the one who rules over the whole creation. He is the king. Um, And that culminates in a series of plagues, ten plagues, through which um, Moses says to Pharaoh, God says, let my people go or I will send plagues. Pharaoh says, no. So God sends plagues and then Pharaoh says, yes. And then he says, no. And then he says, yes, no, 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 yes, yes, yes. And keeps sort of changing his mind and keeps, as soon as this or that plague disappears, he he changes his mind and says, no, I won't let the people go. Um, And ultimately, God promises to bring a last plague. And he says, I'll bring one more plague on Egypt. And then Pharaoh will let you go. Indeed, he will send you out. Um, There is a last plague terrible plague, a plague on the firstborn, when all the firstborn in Egypt are killed. Um, Terrible judgment on the people who had killed the children of the Israelites a generation or so earlier. Um, And then we get this amazing moment when the the descendants of Abraham, if you like, become the people of Israel. They become a nation. When God calls them out of Egypt, brings them out, we call it the Exodus, this great uh, journey, probably of several million people, out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of oppression, and into freedom. And uh, God takes them out in the night through the events of Passover that we'll, we'll focus in on in a moment. He brings them out into the desert. He provides food and water for them for 40 years of wandering in the desert. He appears to them on Mount Sinai. He calls them to be his own people. He establishes a covenant, an agreement with them whereby he will be their God. He promises to be their God and they to be his people. And says, yeah, if you will serve me, I will bless you. In these ways, he gives them good rules to help them to know how to live as God's people in the world, and with the hope that as other nations see how they follow these good laws that God has given, those other nations will experience the goodness of God as well. He makes them his people, he sends his presence with them in the wilderness, and ultimately, he brings them into. The promised land, land he describes as flowing with milk and honey, which sounds a bit sticky to us, but in that culture is a picture of God's abundant provision of food and all they need for life. An amazing moment, the moment when the descendants of Abraham became the people of Israel, the Israelites, when a nation 
of God's people was born. And how did that happen on that night? There was one (coughs) crucial night, the night of Passover, when it all happened. I'm going to read from Exodus 12. Okay, so it is the moment when the last plague is about to be about to strike, the plague on the firstborn. And God <coughs> has set in place a certain thing to save the Israelites from death. When death is going to come and strike the Egyptians, they're going to be saved. And this is how. He tells them to do a particular ritual. So, chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month, the month of Nisan, is to be for you the first month, the first month of the year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family. One for each each, family. Household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You'll determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. (coughs) The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, the 14th day of Nisan, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they're to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, you are to eat, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast over a fire. This is how you're to eat it with your belt, your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn, both of people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. And this is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. And going on to verse 29. And at midnight the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on the throne to the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and the firstborn of all the livestock as well. So a terrible night of judgment, but the Israelites were saved. And they were saved symbolically by this ritual because they took a lamb for each household. They slaughtered the lamb, they took the blood of the lamb and they put it over the door frames of their their house. And it says that when God came to strike uh, the firstborn... He saw the blood and he passed over. Here's the thing. 
it didn't matter whether they were a good Israelite or not. It didn't matter whether they were righteous or unholy, even wicked. What mattered uh, was that God saw the blood and passed over them the blood of the Lamb. It didn't matter, actually, how much they believed in it, whether they thought it was going to work or not. It mattered that they had done it, and the blood was there, and God saved them. Incredible moment for Israel, the moment when they become a people. Let's roll back forward to to 33 AD. So as I said, now, the thing, important thing to know about the Jewish calendar, okay, their days started at twilight, okay? So our days start at midnight, but their days started at twilight. So uh, the start of the day was, you know, six in the evening or whenever, and it went through to six the next evening, okay? So Thursday was the 13th, most of Thursday was the 13th of Nissan. And then at 6 o'clock or whenever twilight was, the 14th of Nisan began. And that was the day on which the Passover happened um, and in which they uh, slaughtered the lambs for, for Passover. And then that night, Friday night, the 15th of Nisan, the start of the 15th of Nisan, um, was when they would... Sorry, wrong way. Not Friday night. Yeah, what we would call Friday night they effectively considered it the start of Saturday. Um, so at 6 o'clock on the Friday night, as it were, that's when their Sabbath started, and that's when they would have the Passover meal. So we're on the Thursday. Um, it's the evening. Let's read what happened. Let's read in Luke chapter 22. It's Jesus' last night in his life at this point. <coughs> before his resurrection with his disciples. How is he going to spend it? He wants to spend it sharing a meal with his friends. I'm going to read, um, read from 22 verse 1. Now, the festival of unleavened bread called the Passover was approaching, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way to get rid of Jesus, for they were afraid of the people. Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot, one of the twelve. And Judas went to the chief priests and officials of the temple guard and discussed with them how he might betray Jesus. They were delighted and agreed to give him money. He consented and watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over to them when no crowd was present. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it, they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He'll show you a large room upstairs, all furnished, Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. 
For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So Jesus is going to celebrate Passover with his disciples. But it's a strange Passover. Um, It's strange because there's this amazing encounter that the room is all ready. We don't know if Jesus actually talked to someone or if God was working by the Holy Spirit or what happened. But he just says to Peter and John, go into the city, you'll meet someone carrying water, follow them, and you'll go and find this room already. So it was like prepared. It's interesting there, we read from um, Psalm 23 this morning about my cup overflows. Before that, it says, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I feel it's a bit like that for Jesus, actually, at this point. His enemies were all around, but there's a table prepared for him uh, in the presence of his enemies. I don't know if it was angels who'd got it ready. I don't know how that happened, but it was ready for them. Um, It's strange because it's actually the wrong day. Now, when you look at the Gospels, it's slightly hard to figure out exactly what's happening in terms of days, but... Uh, My reading of this is that this is what we would call the Thursday night. It's the start of the 14th of Nisan. Actually, their Passover meal is meant to be on the Friday night, the 15th of Nisan. And it can't be yet because the lambs haven't been slaughtered yet. The lambs are slaughtered in the afternoon of the the 14th, the Friday afternoon, effectively, at the temple, they've, they've gone from doing it at home to actually they would all bring the lambs together to the temple. And that's how it happens in this period of time. So it's odd because it's the wrong day. And it's odd because as far as we can tell, there's no lamb. There couldn't be lamb because they hadn't been killed yet. Um, and it's not mentioned in the text. So it's a Passover, but Jesus is doing it differently. Um, what does he talk about? Well, in John's Gospel, we hear a lot more about him talking about love, about the Holy Spirit, about obeying his commands, about him being the vine, some of which we've talked about over the last couple of months in this series. In the other Gospels, it's, it's more tight. It just focuses on, um, on this sort of thing, the bread and wine, really, uh, and his coming betrayal. So what does Jesus say? He says that he's eagerly desired to eat this Passover with them. He's not dreading it, although when we, later we read about Gethsemane and, and that night of prayer and of um, struggling with the emotions of what was to happen. But he knows he's going to suffer, and he sees beyond it. He says, I'm not going to drink this fruit of the vine again until, I, until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. He's looking forward. The Passover, this meal together is like a... a a foretaste of the great meal that he's going to have. It's called the banquet, the lamb in in Revelation, when everyone gathers together, all his people. Um, Let's read on to what he says. So verse 17. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup 
is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. He takes the standard Jewish prayers of thanks that they'd pray after every, every meal when they broke bread together, when they drank wine together. They would pray a, a, a prayer, a thank you prayer, or several thank you prayers to God. And he reinvents them. And he centers them on himself and on his coming sacrifice. He says, this bread, this is my body. It's broken because I'm going to die in your place He knows he's going to go in a few short hours and hang on a cross, taking on himself the sins of all those people, the death that people deserved for what they'd done wrong, the separation from God. He's going to take it on himself. He says, this cup, drink it, all of you. It's the cup of the new covenant, the old covenant, the covenant that Moses was a mediator of, Uh, was about making the Israelites God's people. This is a new covenant which will make all who trust in Jesus God's people, all who will put their faith in him. Their sins will be forgiven through the death and resurrection of Jesus. And there's a key question. The key question is, it's a Passover meal, where is the lamb? Well, we said that the lambs in those days, how they did Passover, hadn't yet been slaughtered. That would happen at about noon the following day. They'd start. It would take them several hours um, on the Friday. Let me read to you Luke 23, verse 44. Where is the lamb? This is Friday. It was now about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. For the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he said this, he breathed his last. Just at the time when at the temple they were getting the lambs ready for the Passover, God had a Passover lamb. Jesus, the Son of God, who died on a cross outside the city that all who choose to trust in him could be forgiven. As we eat this bread, drink this wine and juice in a moment, let's remember that. He's our Passover lamb. He came to redeem us from slavery, just the people of Israel were brought out of slavery in Egypt. He brings us out of slavery from sin, from all the addictions and the difficulties that we face that we feel like we can't get out of. But he can come to redeem us from slavery. He comes to draw us out and make us his new people, the people of God set free. He comes to show us his way and teach us how to follow him, to live good lives by his Holy Spirit. He came to provide for us in the wilderness just as he fed them with manna. And water in the desert. He comes to provide our needs and to take us into his promised land. He came to save us from death, just as the Passover uh, meant they were saved from death, and to give us new life. And here's the thing for the Israelites at Passover, 
It didn't depend on how good they were. It didn't depend on whether they were a good Israelite, a bad Israelite. It depended on the blood of the lamb. God saw the blood of the lamb and passed over. For us, if we trust in Jesus, you know, it doesn't depend on what we get right or wrong. It doesn't depend on the steps we take, our failures or our successes. It depends on the blood of the perfect Lamb of God, of Jesus, our Passover Lamb who died on a cross for us that we might be forgiven and accepted into his presence. He is the Passover lamb. We're going to, when all the kids come back, we're going to break bread. We're going to have wine and juice. We'll pray together. But let's remember Jesus, the Passover lamb who died for us. Okay, if you have got a child in 